You're listening to Green Biz Radio, the voice of GreenBiz.com, bringing you news and analysis on business, the environment, and the bottom line. For Green Biz Radio, I'm Tildy Herrera. Interface, the Georgia-based carpet manufacturer, is possibly the most cited example of how to run an environmental business. Its CEO, Ray Anderson, has long been an advocate of teach-by-example sustainable practices, and his company has shown how to put cutting-edge ideas into practice and profit handsomely. As part of her recent article on taking green business practices to the next level, Sarah Feister-Gale spoke with Jim Hartsfeld, the managing director of the company's consulting group, Interface Rays, for a wide-ranging interview about how Interface took their green goals to the next level and help other companies make the most of their operations. Part one of this two-part podcast looks at the history of Interface and Interface Rays and the ways in which the company put its ideas to work in-house before spreading the word far and wide. Next week, we'll dig into specific examples of Interface Rays and get advice from Jim on shifting to a new mindset to take your company down a greener path. First, tell me a little bit about Interface Rays, and then I'd like to go over some of the achievements you've made at Interface. Okay. Well, well quickly, Interface Rays is a relatively new uh, business unit of the Interface Incorporated family of companies. Most of our companies obviously focus on the manufacturing of carpet around the world and four right. continents. Uh, mostly for the commercial space, but increasingly for the residential space. Our chairman and founder, Ray Anderson, in 94, had a complete personal and, I guess, business epiphany on the subject of the environment and sustainable development. And and from the very beginning, saw it as a, a big, big strategic idea that if he could figure it out, could perhaps make his competitors obsolete. Now, we haven't done that yet, obviously, but, um, but the idea of it being a core strategy of the business that would drive business value and innovation, um, and uh, from the beginning, that was a key piece uh, of that. Well, for several years, as we worked to develop that, certainly in 1994, there were no, uh, you know, there were no recipes. There were no uh, textbooks that you could go to, but what happened is, is that became um, more and more obvious to companies around us and even our our uh, analysts that cover our stock uh, for Wall Street, that this had become a core piece of the competitiveness of Interface. And, and that, as that information and that awareness began to spread, more and more companies kept coming to Interface to ask, you know, how did you do this? How can we do this? And, and it came to the point where or almost in response to that interest, we created Interface Rays as a separate group. That's a consulting group to help other, other people. And our model is really uh, kind of a peer-to-peer business model of business people helping business people just based on the, the 14 years of experience that we've had in making this happen in a publicly traded company. And, and we see increasingly that people are really valuing that, that kind of perspective um, in, in, you know, separate from some of the other people that are working in the space. Right, right. You know, it's interesting you say throughout all of that example that this was a, a good business strategy, that it helped you be competitive. So this was never just about being an envir- environmentally good citizen. It was in doing those things, you made your company better. Yeah, well, there's two, two, two pieces of that, and I, I talk about it, and in some different parts of the world, different terms seem to have more weight or more prevalence, whether you talk about, you know, CSR, or, you know, um, sure. corporate social responsibility or sustainable development. Um, the, two, the, the big idea, I think, is, is, is there are two pieces of that. Yes, 
given the, the, the scale, the scope, the influence that business has on the world stage, it does have a responsibility. Um, but, but the key point is recognizing it's, there's huge business opportunity absolutely tied to that. And that was, I think, somewhat of what was unique about Ray Anderson's epiphany on the subject in 94, that simultaneously he saw both of those. Absolutely, as the largest maker of commercial carpet in the world, he had a responsibility to stop doing what we were be increasingly being aware of, what we were doing to ecological systems. But from a business opportunity standpoint, from efficiency and innovation and reputation and, all, and costs and productivity, we, we saw big opportunities. Let's talk a little bit about some of the, the opportunities that you saw and took advantage of. How did, how did you begin in 1994? Well, in 1994, we had no idea what was going on. It just began from a, 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 a kind of a, a gathering of, of pesky California customers that started asking really obnoxious questions that nobody had answers for. I just happened to have joined the company from DuPont, and I think being the new kid on the block, I got the weird project. You know, how do we how do we create <laughs> answers to these um, um, to these customers? And that's something that was always just deeply rooted in Ray Anderson. Uh, you know, he remembers founding a company, building a factory, having raw materials in the warehouse, people trained, everything ready to go, and not one order on the books. So when you have that experience absolutely driven into the core of who you are, you listen to your customers. <laughs> they are very, very important. So, you know, we heard this question, we had to find an answer. And um, essentially like any, you know, any new corporate program, you gather some people up together, do your do your uh, benchmarking, figure out what the goal is, create the gap, create a plan. I was pretty pretty confident in 94 that, you know, we needed to have a, a brochure on the environment with, you know, the seals and the water and the trees and, you know, maybe bonus points for that bald ego on the front of the brochure as well, but had no idea of really the strategic um, possibilities that it had uncovered. And, and I had asked Ray to come kick off this task force meeting of this group I'd have been assigned to, 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 to lead. Mm -hmm. having known, I knew nothing about the subject. I mean, I was completely <laughs> ignorant of the subject myself. And from the time when I asked him the speech, asked him to come give the speech, and the time he actually did it, um, by pure serendipity, Paul Hawkins, Ecology of Commerce, showed up on his desk. Uh, he started thumbing through that book, you know, Green Book, Green Speech. Mm -hmm. I get some factoids here because I have no idea what to say. I'm pretty sure that, you know, obeying the law is not a very visionary uh, statement. <laughs> Um, so what is it? Well, he started reading the book, and it and absolutely hit him to the core of, of what it meant, you know, as a as a citizen, as a grandfather, as a business person that had created this company that he wanted to, to live and thrive and survive and be good. At the same time, that, that entrepreneur that uh, had built that billion-dollar multinational enterprise saw the, saw the opportunity. So that's how we got started in it with a, a kickoff task force meeting. A bunch of people came together um, with very limited you know, experience or, or idea of what might be, and and the big idea guy came in the room, dropped a bomb on the room, and and in the room, and blew everybody's mind about what the what the potential and what the opportunity was, and, and we just started inventing. As you pointed out, you you pulled a bunch of people into a room and had no idea what you were doing. How do you get over the fear of of moving beyond recycle bins and and replacing light bulbs and really embrace? these concepts as a core business value? Yeah, well, there's, there's, there's several elements of that. One of them that I think is really important and I, I harp on a lot is, 
and unless you're able to translate these issues into core, you know, the core issues of your business, what is it that, that you do? What is it that your customers pay you for? I mean, really, what do they pay you for? What are they trying to buy? If you don't connect sustainable development or environment or CSR or whatever, you know, title you put on it, if you don't connect those right into that core, it's always going to be an afterthought. And how much energy can you get wrapped around something that, that always, you just know it's, it's not the core of what you do and, and you can get to it when you get some of the, you know, get all the other important stuff done. So that's one of the key hurdles to me is translating this stuff in a way that, that is, is inseparable from who you are. How did you do that at Interface? Well, in, in, in our case, Ray, from the very beginning as a part of that, that epiphany, saw the the in his gut you know he saw the potential of that to affect every part of the business that 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 ends up you know adding up into to earnings per share and you know and valuation of our of our stock from you know he obviously is, as everybody sees now the the possibility of it improving your brand and reputation but but he quickly saw how efficient nature was and thought that there were ways of making the company much 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 more efficient saving money instead of the old particularly in the green building world you know I can't possibly build a green afford to build a green building it's going to cost 25 or 40 or 50 percent more well he saw that early on as as you know didn't know how to do it none of us knew how to do it but the plausibility that this could radically radically improve our efficiency so in interface's case from the very beginning he was a visionary guy that made that that linkage can you give me some examples then of how that translated into actual initiatives Oh, certainly. Um, one of the very first things we did is, is we realized that we were just trying to figure out the big questions. So we didn't even have the big answers because <laughs> we didn't even know the questions uh, really at the, at the very beginning. But, but one, of, one of our early mantras was just do something. Right. Just do something. We know that, that the goal is way, way, way out over the horizon, generally north by northwest. So start rolling that way. You can't go wrong. We're, we're so early in the journey, but do something today and do something else tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and just keep going. We started early on on the, just the, the, the general concept of waste. Started looking at, at literally everything that we bought, we paid for, that the customer wasn't willing to pay us for. Okay. That is waste, and that becomes scrap and energy and particularly fossil fuels and started focusing on those. And, and by beginning there, we created savings early on that has paid for this. This has been a money-making enterprise for Interface um, wow. from the very, very beginning. Now we have saved, and we have a, um, an accounting process we call Quest that, um, that measures and standardizes costs, and, and, and we believe that we have saved $372 million by applying these lenses of sustainability to what we, you know, we were already the number one you know, manufacturer of these kind of products in the world. So I thought we were doing a pretty doggone good job yeah. then. And we have, we've saved an additional $372 million. Tell me a little bit more about Quest. Quest is a, uh, actually it's an acronym, and you can tell it was, you know, invented by committee, but it's quality utilizing employee suggestions and teamwork. Uh, but it ended up being very meaningful to us. It's, it's how do you combine this idea of quality and waste and individual participation. So how do you, how do you get people in, uh, educated on the issues of the environment and waste and, and how they can conserve, um, provide them metrics to, to show, you know, what their contribution is to it. 
and an engagement process that people can actually get engaged, get involved, and maybe even get some small financial incentives um, around this. So we Quest really um, brought this idea of everyone can play a role in the company and the thousands and thousands of small steps that individual people do in terms of saving um, energy, saving materials, um, that all adds up. And we think is maybe half of that savings was just those, you know, maybe now, you know, tens of thousands of, of small activities that uh, people have taken. And the other half are, you know, getting the, you know, the engineers and the scientists and, the, you know, thinking about how do they fundamentally change the big you know, pieces of, of, of the technologies and the processes that we use. So it was a pretty broad-scale approach that, that sought to, as I said, to, to measure everything that we paid for that the customer wasn't willing to pay for and define okay. that as waste and sought out to completely eliminate that. And we've eliminated 50% of that in, the, in 10 years. So you got started. You got everybody excited and going in the same direction. How did you at Interface and how do you at any company take it again to that next level? How do you go from the small steps to, um, as you said, half of it is, is the big picture things, getting engineers involved and, and changing the business strategy? Yeah. What, is it, what does it take? Well, what I'll do is maybe translate, transition a little bit from what we experienced by kind of groping our way into this, <laughs> you, know, without, you know, without benefit of, of Monday morning quarterbacking, as you might say. But now as the Monday morning quarterback, looking back at that, at that game, what have we learned from it and what can we advise, you know, the, the team to do next weekend or, or to other, you know, companies that we deal with or work for uh, as Interface Rays. Mm -hmm. I know another one of the key ideas that, that we have used internally and sometimes externally, even in our, in our in, as we talk with um, potential clients, uh, as Interface, as a carpet company, mm -hmm. is this basic idea of can you really make a green product in a gray company? So thinking about what, you know, what are we, you know, what are the things that we are trying to do green? The list of green activities, <laughs> recycled content. We're going to do this, and in the building context, it's easy to think about. Yeah, I, I put that in in almost the, the idea of of lead. You know, there's the original form of lead. There was 69 points, and there was all this list of activities that you should do to accumulate to become green. Well, that's you know, that's creating a green product and using a list of activities to help you do that. Well, at some point, you start transitioning into just a shift in mindset, and you start be, you just start thinking as a green organization, not necessarily a list of green things to do for that product. And when you consciously think about how do I green the company, then that really expands the, the ideas and the opportunities to get people involved. And as people get educated and their mindset starts shifting, then the bit, that's when the big ideas come out of that, the big, the big opportunities for either savings or new products or new ideas that can, that can drive, drive revenue. So, so one of the big ideas is get people away from thinking about you know, the individual product and what are the green things I can do to that product and how do I, how do I start thinking as an organization in this way. You've been listening to Green Biz Radio. For the latest daily news on business, the environment, and the bottom line, and to sign up for our free newsletters, visit greenbiz.com.